My name is Brian Pillman Jr. This is Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks. This is Cody Rhodes, and you're listening. You are listening to the Mouth of the South Shore radio show. Too sweet me for the love of God. And here we are, once again, Mouth of the South Shore radio show coming at you from every corner of the internet. You could be listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, and wherever you satiate your podcast needs, we will be there. I am the Mouth of the South Shore, Eric Cordova, and across the interwebs on this Memorial Day edition is the crab. I am here. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Thanks for hanging out with us. Find us on social media, on Twitter, at MOTSS Radio. We're on Facebook, facebook.com, at the mouth of the South Shore Radio Show. Happy MDW to you, sir. And likewise, you. It's well, it's not supposed to be the most happy occasion, and let's be honest, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to have to talk about this week that is not the happiest to talk about. So, yeah, it's going to be a weird show for us because, you know, we like to keep it light here. We like to joke around, but there, unfortunately, there was some pretty, pretty sad stuff going on in the world this week, and we'll, we'll get to that throughout the show. I, I don't want to... I don't want to overwhelm the show with just negative energy, though. I don't. I mean, it's Memorial Weekend. It's going to be in the 70s here in New York. It's got to be at least a little exciting, right? Some of the beaches are opening up. I mean, you know, life could be worse in some cases, right? I guess so. I mean, people are saying it is the darkest timeline right now. And all over the country and all over the world, it kind of is. But you could always... Things could always be worse. You always have to look on the bright side and know what you've got, whether it be people who care about you, whether it be a child in your belly, whether it be a face that's on Raw and SmackDown every week and it still gets bodied for no reason. There are a ton of things that could be worse, but for now, it is what it is, and and life continues to trudge on. I I always feel grateful around this time because – Memorial Day actually memorializes those who were lost in war, right? Anyone who's in the armed forces who lost their lives. And I've had quite a few family members serve in the armed forces in different capacities, and they all came home. So I I tend to feel grateful around this time. I mean, both of my grandfathers served in World War II. Neither of them are still with us, but they both lived long, productive lives after that. My Grandfather on my on my mother's side, he served in the Pacific, and my father's father served in Europe. He fought, you know, he was fighting Nazis, man. Like this was his life. And my great uncle also served over in Europe. He was stationed in France, so they all made it back home. I feel very grateful, and I know not everyone has had that kind of luck with family members in the armed forces. I don't know if you've had anybody that has served, but. I like to try to take it in that way and feel a little bit grateful. My grandfather served in the Navy, I believe, during, I want to say World War II. I'm not entirely sure. Unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. But I, uh, he lived a long and prosperous life. And without him, I literally wouldn't be here. Like, actually, I just wouldn't be alive. So thank you, Grandpa that's, Jack. I appreciate well, that's how, it. That's how biology works, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'll tell you, you know, my grandfather, my mother's father, he would he'd be having a tough time in this, you know, in this timeline now because he actually passed away of emphysema. And from what I understand, that's a big no-no with the with the COVID going around. That's if you got the two, it's it's not a good combination. So would have been tough. He would have been pretty much in hiding at that point. As an asthmatic. I basically am in hiding. So I kind of understand it, but on a significantly smaller scale. It's tough out there for people, you know, breathing conditions and people who don't necessarily take care of themselves in the best way possible. 
it, it's a rough time. And hopefully you know we all get – what was that before you cut me off? You know I'm sorry. You know, what, you know what's weird, though, because I want to kind of piggyback on that. There, there was a report that came out today that said that marijuana might be something that is, helps prevent and helps treat – the COVID-19. There's some early studies showing that. So, you know, I, I mean, normally maybe I'd be furious that things. you, I normally I'd be furious that you cut me off. This isn't one of those times. Normally you cut me off like, you know, like you always do. And I don't get a word in, but you know what? This is one time that I'll say, you know what? I'm okay with that. Thank you for cutting me off and getting that incredibly information out to the people. I think it's important. And uh, maybe we figured out, I got my, one of my best friends, who's my best man at my wedding, out in Las Vegas, working in the hospitals, doing the you know the electric work for the hospitals, he's been fine. And well, <laughs> this may be one of the reasons that he's fine. I don't know. Maybe he's just immune because of the uh, the Mary Jane inhalation that he's done throughout his lifetime. I don't know. Who knows? Having it, having seen it happen firsthand, I can confirm the stories, and I'm pretty sure that's why. Uh, that 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 can very much be a uh, a reason as to why he has been unaffected, possibly COVID clean, COVID immune, because of all the THC that's running through his veins. Maybe so. You know, life works in mysterious ways. But what I, I, you know, like I said, we vowed not to make this a COVID show. There's plenty of those out there, I'm sure. So I want to shift gears. And get into the real stories of the fake world of wrestling, as we do each and every week. And we start this week, our old pal, Jim Cornette. Here's the thing about Jim Cornette. I love Jim Cornette. And then sometimes I don't love Jim Cornette. Here's the thing about Jim. I think that sometimes he says things that make sense, but the way that he presents his ideas is brutally obnoxious. Okay? There's no other way to say it. So about a week ago, there's two things that we're going to touch on with Jim. He made a comment about Dana Brooke, and the comment was, her face looks like it was remodeled after someone set fire to it and put it out with an axe. Now, as you all let that sink in and think, boy, if I said that to any woman ever, I don't think I'd have a face after saying that, but obviously he doesn't know Dana Brooke firsthand. And if he does, it's been brief interaction. And two, I think we've commented on it on our show that it looked like she had some plastic surgery done and things like that. And quite honestly, I think she looked better before, but that's neither here nor there. It's her choice as to how she wants to live her life. And certainly Certainly you'd agree that those comments are pretty brutal. I mean, I would. I would I would certainly say that that's about as brutal as it gets. And, you know, it, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can because I get it on a daily basis because I, too, have a face that looks like that. Only in my case, it's actually true. Dana Brooke is not afflicted with the common affliction known as dumb face. James Franco and I are the only two people on the face of the planet that have this horrible disease. Well, Dana I'm Brooke sorry. might not be the best-looking woman on the WWE roster. However, she is a woman on the WWE roster. She, she's not being portrayed as a Luna Vachon or who is that woman that was with Valvinus for a hot second? Uh, Nicole Bass. Nicole Bass. She's not being portrayed as Nicole Bass or Lunar or even early, early on China. She's not any of those. She's portrayed as a badass woman, and, and, and she's, she's not unattractive. When she was doing that Esco gimmick with the club, all you had to do was slap browsers onto it, and I would have believed it to be an actual pornographic film. So it's not that she's ugly. And even if I were to agree with Jim Cornette, I heard what you – I just don't like him at all. He's very old-fashioned, which might be why you do like him. 
But no, I, I don't like him. What I'm saying not is Jim Cornette. You 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 led the segment off with I like Jim Cornette. I don't like him. But I don't. Sometimes, right. so, sometimes so the he thing has is, good points, but the way he says it, it could be framed better. I just don't like well, him in general. Well, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Right. We've mentioned it on this show that like I love Dana Brooke. I think she's immensely talented, incredibly you know hard worker. She's you know, had to battle with some things. She lost her boyfriend at 25 years old, right? Like, but when you go and you you say things that brutally, I mean, dude, like, again, I'm not saying I disagree. I think some of the plastic surgery might be a bit much, but I would never go out and say it in such a way that is, I mean, just brutal, brutal. So, I mean, this is his style, and I want to transition it into what he said this week, okay? Because he's got a show just like ours. And just like us, he wanted to talk about Becky Lynch coming out and telling the world that she is expecting. And much like us, I think there was a part of him that was a little upset that we're not going to see Becky Lynch, the performer. But the way that he went about it was brutal. He be- let, me, let me give you a couple of lines, because it's a whole diatribe. But this is probably the most uh, the part that hits home. This is a million dollar talent, and she tells me she's pregnant. What the f? This is like one of the boys breaking his leg on purpose while he's on top. You can control this. This is not like an effing injury. This could have been controlled. It's not like I don't never want them to have children. But when both of you have top spots where you can make seven effing figures a year and blah blah blah. Wait three years and then have the effing baby. Wow. Have you ever seen My Cousin Vinny? I have an issue with what he said after that. He said, and I quote, because I would never be caught dead or alive saying these things. Well, still, she's got many more years before the insert four-letter word here. Easy bake oven gets shut off. She can have all those problems like a descended stomach and stretch marks and hemorrhoids and hormone problems and mood swings and all of those other joys of motherhood later on when she ain't making a million dollars a year. How can you defend you know, he, somebody who says these things? I don't care what the intention is. <laughs> How do he's you do that? like a promoter and not, you know, not in terms of the talent at all. And first of all, I ask you a question. Have you seen My Cousin Vinny? Uh, I have. So you know that in that movie, Marissa Tomei's biological clock is ticking like this, and my, my sister's daughter, it, you know, is having, whatever it is, right? And, and all I keep thinking is, yes, she's 33. This is the perfect time to start your life. And again, I mentioned it last week. I said... This is why it is a little tougher to get behind a woman as the top star in the industry because if they have other desires, they're going to have to step away for longer periods of time than a guy would. There's no debate that. I disagree with you. I absolutely disagree with you on that. You can't. You still have them on television in a very prominent role. Just because they're pregnant doesn't mean you need to take them off of television. She can't be the champion. She can't keep being your champion and being the star. She can't. That's fine. Do you know how many times that the top guy in the business has not been the champion? All right, but you still have to wrestle at some point. Like, you still have to do something physical. This is the wrestling business. Unless you want to have her as an announcer or something, which you could. You know, you can have have her her as an announcer. I'll, I'll take it one step further. 2003 Kurt Angle. He was literally at the top of his game at that point, but he got hurt. So what did they do? They made him general manager, threw him in a wheelchair, threw Luther Reigns and Mark Jindrak on his side. Now, I'm not saying let's turn Becky Lynch heel and have some goons do her bidding. But at the same time, there are ways to get her on television regardless of her bodily status. Maria, like I said last week, was on television, was a meme champion, and got pinned for said championship. So don't give me the you can't have a woman on TV if she's pregnant because that's three steps away from Cornette. I'm not buying into that in and or around this life. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So you're going to have an eight – like let's say she's eight months pregnant. 
You're going to have her rolling around in a wheelchair just to what? Get, just, just to keep her on TV? She'll be off TV for a while. It's like she's injured now, which is fine. She'll be back in a year most likely. I'm fine with that, but my point is, if you're Jim Cornette, who are you to tell a 33-year-old woman, no, nah, no, nah, wait till you're 36 when there's significantly more chance of, of birth defects and problems and I say this from a place of Ashkenazic Judaism, because I know in Ashkenazic Judaism, there is a much higher rate of problems in pregnancy than some other people. So I, I very much sympathize with this. When you have the opportunity to produce, you do it. So I'm on, I'm on Team Lynch here, man. Absolutely. I may even buy the shirt just to support it. I might, do, I might have to do it. Which one? Oh, you know, I, I'm not sure yet. I, maybe the one that says the mom. I don't know if I like the ma. That's very, like, very teenager. You know, no, it's very transgressor in the nanny. Ma? Yeah, ah. I could see that. Yeah, all right. But either way, I don't, I don't think it's the right message for what we're going for. I think the mom might be pretty cool. You know what I might do? I might buy it, and then I'll just pass it along to my wife, you know, when and if the day comes that we are lucky enough to bring children to this world, and then she can wear it proudly. You guys are about the same size. It would work. Yeah, so at that point, she would be the mom. There you go. How about that? Life plans right here on the mouth of the South Shore Radio Show. We're doing it. We're doing it. So bottom line, Jim Cornette, whether or not – look, again, he's not necessarily wrong in saying – it's tough as a promoter to have a top talent tell you, I'm going to go off and have a baby. I get that. But he, the way he goes about it is just brutal, dude. Like, you just can't talk like that in this world. Speaking of people who can't talk in this world, John Oliver is one of those people. And I know you're a fan. How dare but you? I, How dare you? So this has to be done. I don't watch John Oliver ever. But I was told that he talked about wrestling this past week. And so it's not a full-on wrestling thing like he did about a year and a half ago, whatever it was, where he talked about how wrestlers should have insurance and things like that. It was like a one-minute clip. And in that one-minute clip, he somehow managed to make about 10 errors. It's incredible. Like, I, I, can't, I can't fathom the fact that this guy has a television show when nothing he says makes sense, okay? He's going to this thing talking about sports and how they exist now or don't exist, right? And he's trying to equate how difficult times are. And the first thing that got me was, you know, it's, it's hard for these guys. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't even own a basketball hoop. And I'm like, dude, if you're going to make a point, Pick one that doesn't include a millionaire not having a basketball hoop. Because the easiest he said it in the world. As, he said it as satire. Are you kidding me? Are he, you no, taking he was, that as gospel? Yes, because he's Damn, I know old. you're, I know you're like two train. steps away from the rocking chair on the porch. But come on. He, he was saying it like, oh, Giannis can't even train. He doesn't have a basketball hoop. He can buy one at 200 bucks. That's... Jeez, man. No, that, he, he, he was saying it as if they can't train. That's what he was doing. I, it, I, I, I saw the entire clip. You vastly misinterpreted I, I what am not. he said. I am not. And the problem I have is that it, at this point, like, he's supposed to be a comedian. There's nothing he says that's funny. Nothing. This is like, it's supposed to be like almost as if John Stossel is narrating. Except John Stossel is actually smart. So there's a difference. John Oliver is a comedian that is doing comedy, okay? His attempt at comedy is that the UFC wants to buy an island, and they want to call it Fight Island. Not the worst name in the world, not the best name in the world. But he says, let's call it UFC, as in S-E-A. To which I go, that's your best attempt at a joke. UFC. First of all, they're not in the sea. They're on the island in the sea, you gigantic moron. Second of all... Work more than three seconds to try to come up with a joke. You That's can't have fun at all. I can. It's not funny. It's not funny. I watched Jerry Seinfeld's special. That was funny. John you Oliver are the oldest funny. man. Okay. My it's God. Not funny. You're like a. You're like the. You're like the 13 year old cat at North Shore Animal League. 
that's just sitting but, there waiting to be adopted okay. because he because because he just needs a place to go for the next five you know five months. Like, come on. But here's my bigger problem. Get a funny my, bone. Damn, I, no, I have a funny bone. John Oliver lacks a funny bone. Nothing about that was funny. UFC. Oh, wow. What a great attempt at humor. My God. Let me pay. I, I need to get HBO to make sure I hear those wonderful jokes. He is such a barrel of laughs. Woo-hoo-hoo. Come on. And then, because he's not about getting laughs, obviously, he's about tr- trying to be a news source. This is, this is really what he thinks he is at this point. He thinks he's a news commentator, which is fine. But don't do your poor attempts at humor if, you, if you're trying to admit that you are, in fact, a news commentator. So now he goes into this thing where he's trying to talk about what should be done, right? He's talking about how the wrestlers are going about running their shows, and nobody else is. So he's trying to, I think, take offense with it and try to be like, why are they still doing that when other organizations aren't? And then... He goes into how others are going to have to run their shows. He lays out the rules that the great Dr. Fauci laid out. The thing about those rules are they're exactly what the WWE is already doing. So all the rules that these other sports organizations are going to have to follow, WWE is already following. So there's absolutely no point he's trying to make other than being one of those guys who thinks nothing should happen in the world. Because that's the rules that we've been given. Oh my God, we can't, we can't have wrestling happen. It's crazy. But when these other sports try to open up, this is what they'll have to do. Oh, wrestling's already doing that? Yes, but they shouldn't have been. Why not? Why not? If they're following all the rules anyway, why can't they? You're going to have to explain this one to me because I don't get it. Are you done? Are, are, are you done being the old man in the room? I'm done. Just be funny, John Oliver. Write some jokes. Get back to writing jokes. That's all I ask. Don't try to be, don't try to be a, you know, the person who gives us information. Write jokes. Even if they're not that funny, it's better than this crap. I'm, not, I'm honestly not even going to try. Yeah, it's funny. Can you, you, I'm not saying. But, but at first, you say he's a comedian, then he's trying to be a legitimate news source. He's not trying to be a legitimate news source. He's taking other people's facts that other people have researched and just giving it another platform. He's not. He's doing his own research on that research, right? Sure. Let's pretend that that's what's happening. Yeah. But that that's exactly what is happening. What what do you he he's not taking himself as an incredibly serious news source. He he he's a late night show on Sunday night on HBO. He makes fun of himself more than you just made fun of him. And I guess you need to because when you have old men like yourself giving it crap, you need to be able to have the sense of humor about it. He deserves every ounce of crap that he gets and he deserves a whole lot more. Because I'm pretty sure there are people like you that will defend him at every corner, despite not being funny in four years. I watched that whole thing. None of it was funny. None of it. 21 minutes. Where's the punchline? Where's anything that's supposed to be remotely funny? Just be funny. That's all I have. Like, one funny line. One to remind me, right, this guy's a comedian. I get so it. You're saying, so, I don't, so you're saying in the six seasons he's been on, he's not been funny once? I'm saying on this particular show he was not oh. funny. Oh. I, I don't oh, watch you, it all the time. I, I watched it because you know, that's, that's, like, that's like saying about. SNL has a bad episode, therefore all SNL episodes are bad. Well, most aren't good anymore, but, that, but that's besides the point. And, you know. back, back when you were watching in the 50s, there were bad episodes of SNL. And yes, I know SNL wasn't actually around in the 50s. In its inaugural season, and when you were watching it, there were plenty of bad episodes. But you know what? It's still a funny show, or it still was a funny show. People can have bad episodes and still be good. Look at WWE. WWE has some terrible episodes of Raw and SmackDown More often than not, and sure. NXT. But, but, but there are points in time. But hold on. 
there are points in time where they put forward some excellent content, right? Okay, but even with the bad episodes, isn't there usually like a saving grace, something you're like, wow, that episode was pretty bad. But they had had this happening, so at least that was kind of good. No? No! Really, there's there's episodes where there's not one redeemable piece of content in WWE. More often than not, there aren't... More often than not, there aren't saving graces. Two weeks ago, the episode where they had the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders do the bat play basketball, there was nothing, absolutely nothing redeeming about that show. And that's just two weeks ago. That's as far as I, back as I can remember. But that's just two weeks ago. And if I could cherry pick that just out of my ass, I'm sure there are literally hundreds, and I could say literally hundreds, because Raw has been on for over a thousand episodes, so it's very easy to say at least ten percent of those episodes have been complete dog crap. Nothing redeeming happened on at least ten percent of all of those episodes. I mean, I would guarantee there's at least it, and we still think when wrestling is good, it's fantastic, right? Yeah, but again, I think you're wrong in saying that there's nothing on any on that show that would be interesting to people. That three hours went by and not. Five minutes of it would have been, hmm, that was kind of decent. I enjoyed do you that watch, Do you watch Raw Live every week? I watch it on DVR every week. Uh, I, I watch it live every okay. week like a fool. Let me tell you, there are times where in that three hours, it feels like I can take a week's worth of naps and not miss a thing. And then I read what happened because I and fell then asleep. You, and then you refer and to then I say, You know what? That nap was more important than watching this hogwash, this pure poppycock that was Monday Night Raw. But then you refer to Aerosmith, right? Don't want to close my eyes. I'm going to hang up close. now. It's been a pleasure doing the show <laughs> this week. You're going to have uh, a friend of the show come on in just a few minutes. Well, hold on a second here. I mean, there's one more thing that I want to talk to you about, just because I thought it'd be fun. So you've been watching The Last Ride, right? I have. Okay. I thought this last episode was actually even better than the first one. I really enjoyed the behind the scenes with The Undertaker. Agree or disagree? If The Last Dance wasn't a thing, The Last Ride would be my second favorite docuseries of 2020. What's the first? You know exactly what the first one is. All right. I'll, I'll let it slide. But as with everything, right, Michael Jordan is dealing with it from the, from the last dance. Apparently there's issues with Pippin and Horace Grant with the way that they were portrayed or whatever it is. There's always controversy with these things. You know what the controversy is with the Undertakers? He was wearing I an do. American flag shirt. That's it. And apparently wearing an American flag shirt, no one pointed this out, but he was wearing a don't tread on me hat, but he was wearing quote unquote right wing. I did see that. I immediately thought of of you when I saw the hat. And it wasn't necessarily that it was an American flag shirt. It was the blue lives matter American flag shirt, which is technically a defamation of the flag, but we're not going to go into that. We're not a political show. I personally, but, but, if you followed The Undertaker, you know that this is exactly who he is, going back to the American badass days of, like, WrestleMania 19 and 18 and 17. Like, this isn't new. And maybe right. he's just being more out about it. I feel like I, I, it's sad that coming out as a conservative is something that you got to do nowadays because that's just weird. And I'm not a conservative person, but if you have political aspirations that are different than mine, good for you. Do whatever you want to do. Like, uh, it, to me, people going crazy over it, I personally haven't seen anybody go crazy over it. And I live on the internet wrestling sites and boards and things like that. So I personally haven't seen anybody go crazy about it. But I'm sure it was discussed in private circles. You and I did Twitter and things. You know, I saw some things on Twitter and. There was a couple of news outlets that wrestling news outlets that picked it up, and yeah, none, none of those are credible news sources. And Twitter, forget, is Twitter, forget about it being credible. They're they're just saying, hey, we saw this, and there were you know there were some people that were obviously upset about it. Which it's it may not be a large portion of people, but that's the controversy. And my feeling is, it's not like he talked about politics on the show. 
Like, nope. It's just a, sh- a shirt and a hat that he chose to wear. And maybe it was intentional. Maybe. I feel like I, maybe not. Looking at what look, looking at what the Undertaker's wardrobe has been over the past two episodes of the last ride. It's either he owns three things. He owns the Undertaker gear. He owns black clothing and he owns conservative clothing. And I say conservative clothing because the brand of one of his shirts literally said conservative clothing. So that's why I, that's why I'm saying it. If the man has one of three things and they're doing a documentary about life outside of being the Undertaker, man's not going to walk around in a black cloak and a hat. So you can strike that out. And if you get a healthy dose of black on black and conservative clothing, and if he leans more so towards the conservative clothing and puts the don't tread on me hat on, he had the don't tread on me flag up in his gym too. But that's stuff that motivates him. And if that motivates him and if that gives him the power (laughs) he feels that he needs in order to, you know, compete at the level that he feels like he needs to compete at, who am I to say no? Like that, that's stupid. Don't, don't get involved in that kind of stuff, internet wrestling community, IWC up there on your high horse riding around. Yeah, he wore I agree. it. No, yeah, I'm, I'm with it, you. But I like, think it's... it's stupid. Like, if he wore something that was actually offensive, like, you know, a swastika or something like that, we'd be having a completely different conversation. Right. But and listen, this, if you, this if... is silly. This is stupid. Right. If you're allowed to wear quote-unquote left-wing stuff, right? Finn Balor did the thing with the um, LGBT stuff at WrestleMania, right? Like, if you're allowed to do that, you can wear your thing supporting the police or whatever that's supposed to be, and who cares? Who cares? Watch the show. It's really good. I'm, I'm about to bring on, he's here, someone who really enjoyed the show, our pal, good old JR, Josh Richter. So he should be here. Hey, what's going on, guys? All right, good. Joshua, so we got Benjamin, Evelyn, Richter. I figured I had to let you finish it. I, you did. Like it's like the if you smell or like the millions, it's a catchphrase that's been embedded in our what year is it? Seventeen year long friendship. I've known you. For yes, and this is not sing along with the Rock. You do not join in when the Rock is doing it. No, 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 no. This is Hollywood rock when he's talking about the Sacramento Queens. The rock does it all by himself. Exactly. God, that, that segment was so damn good, though. It was, but my relief is here. I am under the weather, but you are in good, if not terribly small and trembling hands. Thank you for taking the, the reins on this, Joshua, Benjamin, Evelyn. You can catch Keeping Connected. You can catch William the Crab everywhere you find this show. Cordova, I bid you adieu. Guys, buy Blue Chew. Absolutely. So, I, I guess in the <laughs> worst way possible way, yeah, well, you know, we have to do it anyway. So, in the worst possible way, let's transition into that. Uh, the Mouth of the South Show radio show is brought to you by BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. And BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know that they work. And Blue Chew does not require a doctor's prescription. So these days, when it's hard to get to the doctor, people are trying to get there with the COVID, you can get it online. And they will send it to you in a discreet package. So even if you're like me and you live in an apartment building in New York City, the package will sit there. No one will be the wiser. They won't know that inside that package is a booster for your package. To bring home to your wife, your girlfriend, fiance, whatever it is you got going on, boyfriend, I don't care. Whoever it is that needs to benefit from Blue Chew, it's right there in that box. And we got even more good news for you. Your first shipment will be free. Just use the code WPP. Just pay the $5 shipping. So start today. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Chew.com. Okay. So, Josh, I'm sorry we had to talk boner pills before we got into conversation. How are you, my friend? Can I just say how hard it was to not bust out laughing as you were doing that? At yes, one point, I, I was face palming. Granted. Yes, but do, do me a favor. Don't say how hard when you're talking about BlueChew.com, okay? Fine. I won't say 
I won't say hard. <laughs> when I'm talking about Blue Chew. I will use the code WPP though. All right. That way you get five dollars off. Good, good. That's what you got to do. But yeah, we left off. Obviously, we got minor controversy with the Undertaker wearing right wing shirts. These are the issues that are plaguing the WWE today. So let's not talk about real stuff. We'll get to that. Actually, yeah, we'll get to that. Let's do some rumors first. I want to get through just a couple of rumors I came across this week. Fire away. So CM Punk is back in the news, obviously, being with the WWE as far as Fox is concerned, right? He does some talking about them. Uh, Well, he claims in one of his interviews that at one point there was going to be a match between him and Steve Austin, but Steve backed out at the last minute. Do you buy that, or do you think he's just a little bit delusional? I do believe that was where everything was heading. I I can't help but point back to the commercial. I want to say it was for WWE 13, I believe it was. Yeah, that's when CM Punk was on the cover, and they were doing uh, the whole Attitude Era uh, theme for that game. There's a very famous I guess bit for lack of a better word bit segment interview that was done between Jim Ross, Stone Cold Steve Austin and CM Punk. And once that aired, everyone immediately was like, this is heading towards a program. It has to be heading towards a program. And then of course they also had some backstage segments between CM Punk and Stone Cold. One of them I remember ironically taking place at Nassau Coliseum over by us, Eric. I definitely believe at one point in time that that was at the very least written with a pencil as a plan as far as it not happening because Steve backed out as far as the creative powers that be said, eh, maybe not. We'll never know. I do believe, though, that rumor has validity. The only thing that gives me pause is that neither before nor after, since 2003, has Steve Austin been in any matches due to his health. So I'm not saying it would be a bad idea for him to come back for a match of that caliber, but the fact that it's never even been talked about before or after with anybody else gives me pause to think that he would think, A, I can be healthy enough for this. I would have the want and desire to get healthy enough. It, look, Edge came back. He obviously had the want and desire to do so, or grit, as he said 500 times, and WWE decided to market the hell out of. Right, get grit. Another here on his yeah. new shirt. Which, by the way, grits are fantastic. Grit itself is an overmarketed word that Edge said once. That's that's besides the point. The point here is that I, the only part of it that I have a problem with is that I don't know. I don't know that since it's never been talked about any other time that this was the time he was like, oh, totally, and I'll get in shape for it, and I'll be ready to go. I I, I just don't know if that's the case, but I want to get to a different rumor. Have you been watching NXT? Have you been keeping up with the product? So I've been keeping up with it on and off. I have I have watched the last two weeks. I will admit, though, it has been a little more difficult watching the product, obviously, in its current state of being being aired out of a performance center and everything like that. As is everything. Just isn't the same. And I appreciate wholeheartedly as a lifelong fan the dedication of all these men and women to continue to put on a product in in the in the environment that we are all in right now. But there's a piece of me that just you need you need the crowd. I I agree, but some things are done without a crowd. And one of the things they aired this past week was a about a two and a half minute video uh, with Shotzi Blackheart, 
She's someone yep, who signed with WWE from Evolve, and she's been teaming up with, or against, I should say, against with Tegan Knox against Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Right. Now, the rumor is, based on giving her such a lengthy video with high production value and the fact that they gave her a freaking tank to drive out on, that As she's well, in... in that- video she also mentions the other women on the NXT roster uh Chelsea Green, Candice LeRae, etc. So yeah, it's so, not like she's only targeting Dakota and Raquel. The fact that she's going out of her way to mention some of the other women on the roster it's yeah it's the idea more. is the idea is obviously there's something there but the rumor is that she's in for a big push. Now my question is is it is she deserving of it considering she just started? Is it too soon? Like, and what are your thoughts in general on Shotzi Blackheart as a talent? I definitely like Shotzi Blackheart. What I've seen of her, I like in this because I personally wasn't really exposed to her before she signed. I went back and watched some of her stuff and she's great. I can see why she signed far as if it's too soon I think so, but I don't think they really have other options right now. Um, besides going with this angle against Dakota and Raquel. Because you can't keep, obviously, Dakota and Tegan going forever. And you need to vary the product. Besides Shotzi, I don't see another really good face to go against Dakota, and eventually towards the NXT Women's Championship, which I have to imagine is where it's eventually down the road heading, basically build her up against Dakota to be big enough for the title. It's professional wrestling 101. It's been done since the dawn of time, you know? Uh, But as far as the question, I do think it's a little soon, but I don't think they have a choice. I get that, but I'm going to make a very bold statement. That's basically your brand. Yes, but I did this before, and I was proven right, and I I haven't done it since, but I feel confident here. The okay. last time I did this was when a girl debuted in NXT, and I said, wow, there's something there. She's going to be a big star. Now, the person I said that about was Becky Lynch. The day she debuted. I think things worked out pretty well for her. Yeah. I'm going that direction. I haven't said it about anybody since, but I see it in, I see it in Shotzi Blackheart. I'm telling you right. right here. I'm telling you, no matter where you're listening to me, I don't care if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I am telling you this girl is going to be a major star, not just an NXT. I'm telling you she's going to be one of those people that has the ability to main event WrestleMania. That's how good I think she is. And Why? Why do you feel so strong? Because I know you said it's a bold statement, but brother, that's... that's. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you why. That's loaded. It's not, it's not the tank, or it's not... The reason is, I think there are very few people that possess, obviously, that it factor that you can't really describe... But one of the things I can describe is there's just an energy behind certain people that you just feel. Like when they come out, you feel something right away. You're like, wow, this person has energy and I am feeding off of it. And a lot of professional wrestlers, it takes them years to find that, which is not a negative. I'm not saying it is. Some of them have a different type of charisma. But someone like Shotzi Blackheart, the second she walks through the curtain, you feel her energy and you want to feed off of it. She has something special. And I think that we're coming back into a little more gritty era, especially the way that we're doing things with, you know, behind the scenes and all this. I think the more gritty era is going to play into who she is, right? She's got the tattoos. She likes punk rock, all that kind of stuff. And the high energy behind it I think people are really going to dig her in the coming years. Everyone and I think at another tank entrance at WrestleMania. Nope. A second tank entrance well, goes to Nancy. 
Maybe, but I, I just I, I'm feeling it. I think I think that sooner rather than later she'll be on the main roster, and I think that looking at the people we have, I like a lot of the talents in the main roster, but I just feel like there's something else there beyond what a lot of those talents bring. There's just this energy, this passion that you can't teach, and it's there. I am a Let huge fan of. Sorry, continue. No, I'm just I'm a huge fan of Shotzi Blackheart, and like I said, I know it's bold, but I'm feeling it, and I'm going with it. I think she's going to be a major star in the world of wrestling. Aside from Shotzi and Tegan, who who else uh, really can go as a big face right now? Because as if my memory serves me correctly, you really have Shotzi, Tegan, and Mia. That's really it. Io Shirai is pretty much a tweener at this point. Obviously, Rhea is in a different level right now. Well, Rhea is obviously your big baby face. But even so, I think, like, a lot of people think Rhea is the next female star. And I could, I could see it, but I'm telling you, I think Shotzi's got the higher ceiling. I really do. I, I actually saw people, like, the exact kind of claim you were just making about Shotzi being comparative to Becky, I saw that more with Rhea. Or I've heard that more, that comparison of Becky with Rhea than Shotzi. I just, I, I, I like Rhea a lot. I see her more as that, like, the second person, which is not a bad role. It's sort of like the Cena-Batista thing. Shotzi probably is more the Cena, but more in like the CM Punk Austin type way, whereas Rhea is more the Batista. Which, again, not a bad thing, but I just feel like if someone's going to be the star, it's going to be Shotzi Blackheart. And I wanted to get that. I wanted to talk about that because from here on in, we're going to be like coffee on the show. We're about to get dark, all right? Like, first we got to talk dark side of the ring, and then we're going to get into a really sad story to end things tonight. So... I wanted to do this with you because I know you've been a big fan of Dark Side of the Ring. They ended season two, for some people finally, with the story of Owen Hart and his death at Kemper Arena in Kansas City in the aftermath. We finally saw it. We've seen Mar- we saw Martha Hart for the first time in about 20 years. So we got her on TV. The kids are on TV. Before we get into it, just yeah, just just your overall thought of the presentation of this show, like you know, what did you think of it? As far as the overall pre- overall presentation, excuse me, I I enjoyed it because how do I put this? It didn't have the WWE spin. As far as just saying, oh, it was a tragedy, etc. It was very interesting um, seeing the actual, not not the actual tragedy, not the actual tragedy that did not air. I mean the actual, like the actual clip that everyone uh, talked about that held Owen um, hearing Martha's side of the story, which we never really got to hear unless you read. Uh, I believe she released a book many years ago. Um, I enjoyed it for that aspect of seeing this other side of this horrible tragedy of one of the greatest wrestlers that ever lived. And seeing the clip, seeing the, the photographs, the police photos, hearing from the Godfather, his opponent that night, May 23rd, 99, it, it all was another presentation and another side that you never really heard. So in that regard, I enjoyed it. But my, my gosh, if, if I didn't feel anything, that, that was... I messaged you basically immediately afterwards, Eric, like... Yeah. Yeah, it's a hard thing to to relive. I I mean, I remember watching it 
live that night, actually. And I remember that whole year. First of all, I remember that happening and then watching the special the next day. You know, I remember thinking the same thing they were thinking is, I can't believe they finished this show. I remember about a month and a half later, a show at Nassau Coliseum where we left thinking that Draws actually died. He ended yep. up being paralyzed, but we came in we came in the next day thinking we saw Draws die, like in front of us. This is a bunch of you know, fourteen year old kids thinking we just saw someone die in the arena. That's pretty wild. It turned out he didn't, thank God. But yeah, we thought lightning struck twice within a month and a half. But I did have one problem with this dark side of the ring. And that is, and and this might be controversial for me to say, because I've read a lot on on this tragedy over the years. I've always been interested to learn as much as possible about these things. Many of the shows that they've done, I knew a lot about already because I read, I did research, I listened to interviews over the years. With this one, my biggest issue is I felt like the approach they took was we are going to Martha Hart and whatever she wants goes. However she wants to portray this thing, that's how we're going to do it. We're not taking any other input. It's She's basically the executive producer, and how she wants it to be perceived, that's how it goes. And I had a major problem when they got to trying to talk about how it happened. And they showed the lock, you know, with the quick release. Yep. And as they cut away, there was like this quick line that I think is either hers or Oge's. Where they said, "Oh, it was just WWE being cheap," and it was just—it was a low blow without any. There was no reason or any basis for making that claim. It's never been proven in court that that was the case. That they had bids from other companies and they cheaped out. They took shots at the company that they'd used before, that WCW had used before with Sting, and never had an issue. They didn't right. tell you. The, the problem I have is from all the knowledge that I've gained over the years, apparently what actually happened is that they requested this quick release because the goal was with a comedic character for him to descend to the ring, be about five feet above the ring maybe, and then and, hit the and, quick release and fall on his face for comedy. Right. Which is fine, right? Oh, he, he, he portrays himself as a superhero, but he's kind of goofy, and he falls on his face, right? He's clumsy. Ha-ha. That was the idea. Was it a and good idea? Too. No, it was a stupid idea. It was a stupid idea from, from the get, but that was the idea, and that's why they changed it from a regular carabiner to the quick release. They didn't tell you that story. So if you're learning about this, and you hear that little comment of, oh, it's just the WWE cheaping out, or... I can't believe they used this thing. I felt it was a little bit still jaded to tell it that way and try to paint WWE completely as the enemy. Because, look, I understand that Vince can be a heartless SOB sometimes, but I can't imagine he wanted somebody to die. Like, I can't. Especially in this manner. I mean, not wanting anyone to die, period, but most especially live on a pay-per-view in front of a crowd, in front of a tragedy. It, it, it was a tragedy, you know? Of course, of course. And like I said, the biggest issue there is that they are telling it through Martha's eyes and Oja's eyes and Athena's eyes, which is mostly Martha, but and it's fine. Look, I am. it was nice to see that his kids turned out so well. Right, One of them is becoming a lawyer. The other one just graduating college. I'm very happy to see that. Is it still painful to me as a wrestling fan that she's very anti-wrestling? I, I get it, but I also, at some point, and I'm going to speak personally here, at some point I think you just have to forgive in your heart. And she says she has, but she hasn't. You know how I know that? Because if she had, it's not about profiting off of it. You could make it work where any dollar that they earn from doing anything with his name on it goes, goes to a charity of your choice. You could do that. Don't, don't claim you can't. You could work that out with WWE. If the idea with WWE is to honor him at the Hall of Fame, you do a video package showcasing who he was to fans. You have her come or his brother come and speak about him in glowing light. 
so that the fans can remember for a night. This is the goal. It's not to make a buck off of him. They got plenty of bucks. Believe I, me, they don't I, they don't uh, need to exploit him. Martha Hart and Vince McMahon will never ever be in the same room again. I know, and it's kind of sad. Like I said, I wish that they could be, and maybe then there could be some forgiveness on both ends. Maybe. I don't know. Like I, I know. said, the only thing that the only thing that really bothered me was I think it was a little bit more of a playground for Martha. Like, I think they told the story really well from that perspective. But I also, I have my skepticism with little lines they threw in like that. And I, I get it because, again, WWE's side has been told. This is her side. I get that. But I thought taking those little cheap shots and trying to make WWE seem out like they were this evil company that didn't care at all, I don't buy it. I don't buy that Vince McMahon and WWE didn't care. I know Owen Hart was inducted into the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame and I believe the NWA Hall of Fame at one point as well, actually. Um, Right, but it's it's WWE who let him die, which, look, again, I get it. I get it, but... It's hard hard for me. That's all I'm going to say. It's hard for me to see it that way. And I want to use that as a transition here because I could do a ton more about that show just in general. I, I think it's a phenomenal show and I hope they have a season three, but that's a show. And we're talking about things that happened in the past. We've seen, you know, the Dino Bravo, the Chris Benoit, a lot of tragedies in wrestling. We had another one, unfortunately this week. I'm on Facebook early. I, I, I don't remember exactly what day it was probably Monday or Tuesday. I forget what day. And the news comes out that Shad Gaspard was pulled out by a riptide and they haven't been able to find him. As the story unfolded, what we learned was he was swimming really far, right? And he's out there with his, his 10-year-old son and the riptide was, pulled him out. Sunday, by the way. Yeah. So the riptide pulls him out and the lifeguards come out. And I understand this because this actually happened to me when I was like 12. I'm on, I'm, you know, I'm at uh, what's now Nickerson Beach. If you, you're from Long Island, it used to be called Nassau Beach. And I got pulled out by the riptide. And I, I'm a decently strong swimmer, but I'm not that strong. And I'm not fully grown. So I couldn't swim back. I knew I couldn't swim back. So I just, you know, I called out to the lifeguard tent and then I back, uh, you know, I put, I floated on my back. So I could breathe and they end up, they came out to get me and I grabbed the thing and they swam and I was swimming with them and I made it back. But that was not the strongest of riptides. It just was a riptide. This was apparently very strong. They're in, I believe, Florida, right? And they get out there. It's tough. And this is the part that really pulls your heartstrings. His last word. It was LA. Yeah. And it shows you how well I did my homework. I, I was too emotional doing it to like the, the wear and stuff. I was just, I wanted to tell the story. I, I yeah, it completely was, crossed over that. Uh, Los Angeles. This okay. was on, on Sunday. Um, right. So I think I saw the story break on Sunday into Monday. Uh, right? Early Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So his last words that anyone would have heard were, Save my son first. They did. Initially, it was reported that the son was with him out there, and they thought maybe the son died, but then they realized he did not. He was saved, and Chad was not, and they they had a search for a couple of days, and finally, the body washed up ashore on Wednesday. And I believe today they're having services for him, or yes or something. And my God. Yeah, I mean, to, um, the Los Angeles um, Fire Department, excuse me, they performed 452 ocean rescues the weekend uh, Shad went missing. Uh, so, including the amazing him. thing, the amazing thing to me is this is not the first story of heroism we've heard from him. A couple of years back, he thwarted a robbery, like an armed robbery. He tackled the guy and saved the like saved the store and 
Right. Sometimes you look at these things and you go, how can the world take from us a guy with that kind of compassion and that kind of heroism? And I mean, I also, really, I, it hit me hard for that reason because, like, those two stories tell you a lot about someone's character. And, uh, my God, I mean, sound, uh, and also, you just know, to you, add on, uh, for those that don't know, Shad Gaspard is no small man. He was uh, six foot seven, about two eighty five, I believe, uh, was his build weight. So yeah. it's not like he was a small man, and he kept obviously his size after leaving WWE um, around, gosh, two thousand seven. I be- no twenty ten. Sorry. Um, Around 2010 is when he left WWE, but yeah. he's had his size, and he was one of terrible saying was as far as he goes. I mean, Chad was how old was he when he passed? Now, 39. 39. So, yeah, and, and you know, of course, leaving behind the the 10 year old son and the wife, and and you hear these stories. I didn't know Chad. You know, sometimes we've been able to have been lucky enough to talk about people we knew. I didn't, I didn't know him, but everyone who did, I, I haven't seen a bad word said about him. Oh God! Hell, no. Even Jim Cornette didn't do it <laughs> to tie it back in. Jim, even Jim Cornette didn't have a bad word to say about the guy. So that should tell you something. You know, this is someone that was definitely beloved in the wrestling community, and I mean, what a story! You know, he basically sacrificed his life for his son. That's what that's a, unbelievable to me. Story. What a Hero. I mean, yeah. obviously, the word hero is being used very often right now, and reasonably so. Very reasonably and deservingly so. Don't get me wrong. But Chad Gaspard died a hero. Period. So let's end this light. Favorite crime time memory? I, I'll throw two at you because I know it's. My fa- my favorite two, and you can kind of pick between these. Number sure. one, Lita's, Lita's retirement and them selling off everything in her box. That was number a good two, one. Number two, Vince McMahon trying to figure out who his son is and crime time suggesting it's them leading to the money, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little conga line where, where uh, Bill Regal joins in. I, Those I are my two favorites. That, that clip the other day, actually, and obviously you couldn't help but smile. Uh, oh I have God. two myself. Um, the first one that immediately came to mind was the, it was a segment of crime time. So Shad JTG and John Cena. And this was the feud when John Cena was having with, uh, JBL and they crime time and Cena collectively destroyed JBL's limousine. And just the way that it happened was, uh, it was hilarious. It was full of charisma. So that was one of the first memories that came to mind with that. The other one that I thought of was their return to WWE in 2008. The pop that they get and just seeing them back in action, just they were a great team. Shad was a great wrestler. Uh, you hear very often as a wrestling fan of, oh my gosh, this wrestler should have gone further. They should have done more for his size, for his look. I agree wholeheartedly that Chad Gaspard should have been one of those individuals that went further and for all every intense purpose should have. Whether he did or didn't is irrelevant. He was a phenomenal wrestler and an even better man and an unbelievable hero. Or at least at least give them a lengthy reign with the tag titles, man. I mean, come on. Crime Time could have had that. But I digress because we have come to the end of our long and winding road. And in the words of the dead, what a long, strange trip has been. And boy, has it. We've had two hosts today. Actually, three total, if you include me. So... Before we get going, Josh, I appreciate you coming on. Do you have anything that we need to plug on here 
that our our fans can find you doing? Not just yet, but I do have some stuff in the works. So uh, once I'm ready to come, to announce that, I'll be happy to come back on to talk a lot more wrestling with you, and we'll talk all about that other stuff uh, at that point. But right. I I just want to thank you for having me on the show. I I know over the years I've gone to do a few of these with you. I always love doing it. I always welcome it, and I always will want to do it. Well, we're here to have a good time, and uh, I know that's not always easy with some of the difficult things we had to, we had to cover today. Uh, we did it. We made it. We're here, and where can you find us moving forward? Well, let's start with the social media. Mouth of the South Show Radio Show on Facebook. If you haven't already, give us a like. We share our links weekly. So you'll be able to find and follow things there as well as other relevant news stories. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MOTSS Radio. And then, of course, if you want to follow the show, you type Mouth of the South Shore Radio Show into Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And do us a favor. While you're there, of course, give us a listen. Give us a, a thumbs up if you can. Comments. We appreciate them, positive and negative. Let us know how we're doing. Rate us five stars. Rate us four stars. Whatever you think we're doing, give us that. I mean, five stars, of course, best. I don't so, know. You know. I think we appreciate it seven stars, especially in the Tokyo Dome. Mm. Ah, yes. We're uh, the Kenny Omega of shows, if that's uh, how you want to look at it. Sure. Oh, come on, but... Eric. I had to. <laughs> You're talking about star rating. Right. I had to. Well, either way. <laughs> Give us whatever you can give us. If they if they let you melt it up and give it seven stars, give it seven. Why not? But that's where to find us. We will see you after hopefully you have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Let's start our summer the right way. I know it's hard. Start your summer the right way. Enjoy yourself. Smile a little bit. All right? Everyone have a good rest of your day.